Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I hope it's really helping you grow in the Lord. But I just wanted to take a second just to talk about this great tool that I've been using to bring the Word of God to people. Anchor is a tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and a lot more. So it's really been helping me reach people that I can't go to their house and actually teach them a Bible study. So it's everything you need in the podcast in one place. The best of all, Anchor, and it's totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan. Yeah, and I'm excited for everyone who decided to have a Bible study with me today. You want to pray? Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today. Allow us to focus on you and let your will be done in this room, God. That they don't hear me speak, but they hear your words coming through me, God. I want to be a vessel that can be used, Lord. And I want all these people to be vessels that can go forth in this world, God, and change the lives that they come in contact with. So let us continue, Lord, to follow after you, seek into your word, and obey what we find. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so last time we started talking about repentance and how repentance is an ongoing process throughout our life. It's not just simply saying, Jesus, I'm sorry, but it's acknowledging the fact that what the world is and what what Satan has done to this world is not what we should have for our lives. And so acknowledging what sin is and how terrible sin is And how much we need God and how much we need to rely on him. That's the true act of repentance. So sometimes, well, the devil loves to confuse us so that we don't understand what true things are. If we think, and there's people who do, there are religions who teach that once you've been, once you repent one time, once you say, I'm sorry, God, that's it. You're done. You can, you can go gamble and drink and do all the sin you want to do. I don't even know if those were sins, but maybe on an extreme level. But you can do terrible things, and God is still going to just welcome you right in because that one time that you repented, the one time you were baptized, or the one time you were filled with the Holy Ghost. So we're going to go through and destroy that theory because it isn't, it isn't just a one-time thing. It's an ongoing process. So we talked about repentance. I die daily. And we talked about how we're going to continue to have an outlook on life the way God wants us to. Where we view sin as being awful and God's will is what we want to desire. Now, of course, God is the one who makes the difference in our life. So I've been talking, I've been calling this whole Bible study series that because yes, last week it kind of started. It branched out of a different one, but I've been calling it Salvation. And what the concept of salvation is. And I've come to realize in the last couple of days that salvation is not a destination. It's a, it's a situation. It's not where we're going to end up. It's not a checklist that you can achieve. It's not, okay, I've, I've repented, been baptized, got filled with the Holy Ghost, boom, I'm saved. I'm done. Process over. And Christians literally feel that way. A lot of them, once they get baptized and repent, and they get filled with the Holy Ghost, they, they, they start feeling like they're used of God, like they don't have anything else to do. Like, all right, I've already achieved it, God, now what am I gonna do? So then they start feeding into other Christians and, and they haven't even realized that their, their process isn't over yet. 
Their process is in the, they're in the middle of the process. So salvation is not something that we do. God is the one who gives us salvation. He's the one who creates the situation by giving his son and dying on the cross. He created the situation, but it's up to us to put ourselves in that situation. And the way we do that is repenting, living a life of repentance, living a life of baptism, and living a life of walking in the spirit. So we dissect repentance last week, and then whatever I missed, the pastor hit yesterday really well. Did he not? <laughs> and I am a week ahead of him. We were confused on if we were off, and I'm like, I think I am. Even though he does it on Wednesday, I'm a week ahead of him because God just pushed us into that. But we were both laughing about it all. We went out to eat on Wednesday, and we were laughing about it the whole time. I was like, I'm trying to do it before you. That way people don't think I'm stealing your notes. <laughs> but we're going to be talking about repentance or baptism today, and you're going you're gonna to realize that the two are linked. Baptism and repentance walk hand in hand. Repentance is the, the foreshadowing of, of baptism. But baptism is the outward expression of what repentance truly is. So the more, the more we get into, I may, I, I may be focusing on baptism today, but the two go hand in hand so closely that you're going to see crossover between them both. So we're going to start today in Romans chapter 5. Romans 5 and verse 12. And we're not going to be jumping around the Bible a lot today. I've got a couple of really long passages that we're just going to kind of dissect and go through. And there's a real cool similarity between the passages that we're going to be looking at. Because we're going to be looking at Romans 5 and 6, and we're also going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 15. And we're going to, I've never realized this before, and the Holy Ghost was showing me this week about how, how the two really work hand in hand. Like they're going to talk about similar things. And for instance, in Romans 5 starts off talking about the contrast between Adam and Christ. And this is, this is a really cool concept because this is right before he digs into a chapter all about baptism. So we have to understand the concept of Christ and Adam before we can really understand baptism and what baptism all is. Baptism is talked about being put into the new life. It's being, being put into the grave and resurrecting into new life. So baptism is a form of birth. Christ told Nicodemus, you can't, you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you've been born of the water and of the spirit. So he recognizes this as being a, a new birth. And how many of us know the scripture we're all created as new creatures. We've been new creatures. We're born again. The old things have passed. The new things have come. So when we, we, in order to get this concept of birth and life, we have to go back to the origins of birth and life. Adam was the original, the, the origin of humanity on earth. Of course, God is. But Adam was our first that reproduced everyone that we came from. So that's why we're going to see this, this connection here. So we're going to look at, starting in verse 12. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yet people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet a law to break. So, Adam sinned originally... And all things reproduce after themselves. 
So Adam was our father, and since he sinned and fell in the garden, he became a, an example, an image of us. We are made in our father's image. A lot of people say I look like my dad. It's a compliment, right? <laughs> but we're made in our father's image. So, and it's the same thing with Adam. We were born under Adam, so we were in Adam's image, which was a sinful nature. So even before we had the law, people sinned. Before God told Adam he was naked, Adam knew he was naked. Adam was sinning before God told him that it was sin. Adam acknowledged that it was sin before God told him it was sin. Mm. The knowledge of good and evil. We have the knowledge of good and evil in us. That means it doesn't even take God coming down and telling you something's wrong. You know it's wrong before he even, he doesn't even have to tell you. That's true. Wow. That takes a lot of responsibility and puts it on our shoulders when we look at it that way. We're always like, oh, God's going to have to tell us what's right and wrong. How many Christians say that they don't, what is sin? I don't really understand what sin is. This is like, I, and I, I'm guilty of it. I've looked up Bible studies on sin so I could have a better understanding on what sin is. That's really silly. You know what sin is, whether you act like you do or not. That feeling that you get inside that says, this is not good. Is all, the, is all the judge you need to ever know. That taste of that apple that Adam bit a long time ago is all you ever need to know about what sin is. And this is throughout the scriptures. Paul talks about your conscience, following your conscience, and your conscience being, being a, a source of God's inspiration in your life. And that's the same truth today. You have a conscience for a reason. That's why Christians, some Christians don't like the fact that we have consciences. They would like to actually boost your conscience and make your conscience worse than it is because they want yours to match theirs. But it, that's not the way it works. I have a conscience for a reason because God knows exactly what's right and what's wrong for my life. It's going to be different for me than it is other people. It, would you think that God thought it was wrong for somebody who has diabetes to eat a whole cake all to themselves? It's a sin. Wrong. Now, I could do it, and it might not be as bad for me because it's not going to kill me. So God's going to tell me a little bit different than he's going to tell the person who if they eat that, they're actually going to die because God came to destroy what Satan came to do, which was to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan wanted to steal, kill, and destroy our life, and everything God did was to break that. He, is, he, want, he came to give us life and life more abundantly. So he breaks those habits in our life by destroying sin. Man, that's powerful. That is so powerful. That's the whole thing for God. Like, people say all the time, oh, you know, this is just one sin that I'm just going to have to wrestle with until I die. I don't believe that. Because God came to destroy sin. He came to destroy sin. Now, pastor was talking yesterday about the thorn in the flesh. And there are things that we're going to have in our life that bug us. And, and there's things that we're going to have to get better at. And we have our whole life to get things in order. I get all that. But that doesn't change who God is. God is a destroyer of sin. He wants all of us to have life and life more abundantly. So still, everyone died. 
from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an express command of God, as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who is yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and a gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. So through Adam's representation of, of his, not representation, through Adam's, what is the word I'm looking for? It's not multiplication, but it's uh, your descendants. Through Adam's seed, we all live in sin. Because we're made in Adam's image, we have this image of a sinful nature placed on us from the time we're born. Even if God never even told us, even if we didn't have our Bible. So people are like, oh man, people are like, oh, well, that person's a good person. They don't need to go to church. That's a lie. Because all man's created evil. We're all evil. Jesus Christ himself, they came up to him and said, good man, good teacher, tell us what we should do. And he was like, hey, don't call me good. There's only one good and he lives in heaven. Nothing on this earth is good. You better get that straight. People that don't understand that don't understand the Bible. I've had people come up and try to have this conversation with me. Oh, well, you know, I'm a good person, so I don't need to go to church. I got my life in order. No, you got to lie between your ears that you're believing. Because my life is a perfect example. I'm a good person when I'm going to church. When I'm not, I'm not a good person. This whole, this whole concept of coronavirus and them trying to stop us going to the church, that wasn't just an acceptable thing. That was a trick from the devil. He knew if he can get the majority of the church to stay home, their lives will change for the worse. They will become worse people. After this whole coronavirus, only 30% of people have returned back to church. 30% of people who went to church every Sunday after that have not come back. Same in our church. If you've been, if, like Brandon and me have been going to this church for a while. We've seen it. It's different now, isn't it? It's a whole new crowd. Whole new crowd. Now, there's the people like us who were gone for a long time, who, who are starting to get more involved and come back into it more intensely. But the people who were in the church are gone. Like, Exactly, exactly. And that's, that's the people God cares about. That's the scripture you hear. If you're going to be lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. I, I don't want you coming to my church to take an up room in this church when you really don't care about me. I want a relationship with people. I want you to be my people. And that's the thing. We walk in Adam's image because we're born in Adam's image. So we sin like Adam. We talk like Adam. We do like Adam. If Jesus comes back, you better not come back when I'm driving during rush hour working on my car. I'm going to have a hard time during those two time periods because in those time periods, I'm the most like Adam. The most like Adam. That's the time when my human nature comes out in me the most. But we're supposed to also be created. We're supposed to give our lives over to Christ and have a new. And we're going to get there. I'm going to get there because that's good. But here we go. Ah, but even greater, where am I? But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift for forgiveness. I already read that. Where was I? For the sin of this one man, Adam, 
caused death to rule over many. So because we're in his image, it rules over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace is a gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Triumph over sin and death. Not just sin, but death. Sickness and disease. Like illnesses. We're to live in triumph over that. What I got sick on Sunday, the devil would have had it his way. That would have taken me out. I'd have threw all my guts up. I'd have laid there and died. But I serve a healer and a God. And within hours, I was back to work. I was back on the job. And I'm back in business. And he's got me every single time. The only time he's going to let me die is when he wants to call me home. That's the only time I'm going. And it's not going to be the devil's not going to win in that one. I'll still walk away victorious. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. Let's focus on that for one second. Adam's sin brings condemnation. But we know there's no condemnation in Christ. So when we start to deal with condemnation in our life, it's different than conviction. Conviction comes when you realize that there's sin and you're living in a place of repentance. So if I feel, for instance, I'm living in a place of repentance right now. I'm walking in the way God would have me walk. Now, if I were to walk out this door and someone were to drive by and hit me with a milkshake in my chest, I'm gonna instantly be angry. I'm gonna feel that outrage, but because I'm living in a place of repentance, I'm going to immediately apologize and it's gonna be washed away. It's not gonna be something that uh oh, it's not it's not going to be something that I'm going to live in. So condemnation is not going to set in. I'll feel conviction when the anger rises and I'm like, oh, man, I'm mad. And then God's like, Dan, you're not going to act like you are you? That's not condemnation. That's conviction. So I feel that and I go, all right, you're right, God. I'm sorry. I'm not going to be mad. Dumb kids are being silly, whatever. You drop the situation. You move on. When you're living in sin, you don't. You actually get angry. You take it out. You frustrate. You're, you're going to go, you're going to live in that. And then condemnation comes on you. Because condemnation is not telling you that you need to fix what's about to happen. You need to change this. Condemnation is saying what you're doing is terrible. And it only comes under sin. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many become sinners. But because one person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. For God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more and more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought all people to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he's saying now, he, we have to get this concept of the two natures before we can move on to understand what baptism is. So we've got to understand that in Adam, we, we've been, we've reproduced like Adam. So we have been given all the characteristics of Adam. We've taken on Adam's character. That's why we sin whether we want to or not. It's so powerful that the Bible uses this as an example because this is something that no human being can deny. Every human being, every human being 
has done something wrong and not known why they did it. Doesn't matter who you are. From the littlest baby on earth, you can, a four-year-old will find themselves in this situation. A two-year-old has found themselves in this situation where they smack their mom in the face and their mom's like, oh, and they go, wait, why I did that? You have no clue. You have no clue, but it's in your nature. And it's only because Adam fell. If Adam wouldn't have fell, it wouldn't have been in my nature. So it's not my fault that I have this sin living inside me. It's Adam's fault. Mm. You guys, there's such, there's such a black and white contrast when you're looking at it from this view. Because you see it the same way on the other side. We're, we're, I'm, I promise we're getting there, but I want to jump into it really bad right now. Because the more you talk about it, and it's almost like, it's almost like a glacier. We can see the part that's above the water very clearly because we're above the water. But if you look and you see what's under the water, you can see that it looks the same above the water as below the water. Like it's almost the exact same formation. And you can see that when it comes to Adam's life and Christ's life and when it comes to your walk with God. It's the same. Adam's What Adam did affected everybody. What Christ does everybody we have to be willing to accept it of course all right so we're gonna we're gonna move on to Romans 6 now because now he's gonna start diving into the baptism part of this well then should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace so first things first he wants to get off the bat he's like we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about repentance and we're going to talk about baptism. And I'm going to show you how amazing it is that God can change your life through this process. But before we even get into that, I just want everybody to understand. This is not a license to sin. And he's pointing that out for a reason because of what we talked about last week. Because once you understand the power of baptism, you're like, wow, you know, maybe it, maybe it doesn't matter if I mess up tomorrow. And he's like, that's not repentance. So before we can really grasp the concept of baptism, we have to understand repentance. Because if we don't understand repentance, we're once saved, always saved. We fall into that category where we can just do whatever we want, just dip it under the blood and we're fine. But that's not, it has to walk hand in hand. Repentance and baptism have to walk together. You have to acknowledge that sin is awful and terrible and bad for God to forgive you. If you confess your sins, he's able to forgive you. We just, Pastor just hit this hard yesterday. But if we don't confess our sins, then if we say we're not a sinner, then we're a liar and the truth's not in us. So I can't, I can't dump something under the blood that I don't understand is sinful and nasty. And otherwise, I'm like, well, that ain't too bad. They don't need the blood. So we have to have an understanding of what needs the blood in our life. Then we have to have an understanding of what the blood does in our life so that the two can walk hand in hand towards salvation. So he says, of course not. We do not continue in sin. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it any longer? Now he's talking about baptism. Baptism is representation of going into the grave. It's dying. Man, that's so powerful, guys. So we are born under Adam. We have Adam's sin on our life. Adam's sin brings death. We have to die in order to be brought to new life. So we die through Christ in baptism and we're raised to new life. 
But he says here, what we've died to, we've died to sin. Now we've risen under the image of Christ. That's why we're baptized in Jesus' name. And people go, oh, you should be baptized in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Okay, well, how are you going to be a spirit? Because I'm put in his image. I'm not going to represent a spirit. And we're not supposed to represent God the Father on earth. I can't call down thunder and lightning. That's not what I was supposed to do. I'm here to represent Christ. So I get baptized into Christ's image. And I rise up as Christ to be the example, his image, on earth. Mm, that's powerful. Like the Holy Ghost is hitting me with that. Like that, That's why we live new lives. That's why we don't continue in sin. Because Christ didn't continue in sin. I, that life got buried. I buried that in the water. It's dead. Now... I'm living a new life, walking as Christ, part of the body. Because he went to heaven, so I'm down here. So guess what? While he's up there in heaven, sprinkling blood on the mercy seat and telling God, don't, no, don't judge Daniel for that, I paid for it. He's up in heaven taking care of business. We're down here on earth taking care of business. He had to go up there and take care of our problems. He didn't want to go up there. He wanted to stay down here and win souls and get more people to believe in him. But he had to go take care of our problems in heaven. So now it's our job here on earth to take care of his problems on earth. You got me up there? I got you down here. I'm going to win souls down here. You keep sprinkling the blood up there. I'll keep spreading the word down here. And together, you're working with God in unity. That's the kingdom. Yeah, that is good, man. The Holy Ghost is moving. Because I didn't write these. I'm not reading my notes, guys. Like, this is coming right out of the Holy Ghost. Because it's his word. So, or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ in baptism, you were joined with him in his death? So you're putting on his image. And Christ died. The Bible, one of the first commandments is, Thou shalt not use the Lord's name in vain. Now, that doesn't mean you stump your toe and you cry out, Jesus, that you're using his name in vain. Matter of fact, if I stump my toe and I yell out, Jesus, I'm using his name properly because I'm going, God, take this pain away. <laughs> and Jesus fixes everything. So the more I say Jesus, the more I'm actually fixing problems, whether I'm not using it vain. How do you use it vainly? This is how you use it vainly. You say, I'm a man of God and you don't do the things of God. Now you're using his name, but you're using it in vain. Now, how do we see, pastor just explained this to me the other day, and it was very powerful to me. But he said, here's God's, God's name. This is God's name. God's name has a promise attached to it. So God's name will never return void. If God says something, it's going to come true. So if I speak something in God's name, He's going to hold up his promise on this. So this is God's promise. But that doesn't mean that it's in me. People are going to prophesy in his name and say, God, I did miracles and I did wonders in your name. And he's going to say, depart from me. You never knew me. But I did it in your name. Yeah, my name's got power. But you didn't. You don't know me. That's how you have people who don't know God who can do miracles. 
They, they can heal the sick, but they're not saved. But his name still has power. His name still has power. That's why you don't use his name in vain. I don't use his name to benefit me. The sorcerer showed up and said, man, let me buy that. You're getting people, you're laying hands on people and they're speaking in tongues. Let me buy that. And they cursed him because they were like, you're trying to use his name in vain. That's his name. That's his image. It's powerful. And we're supposed to walk in it and not use it vainly. I can't say I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm, G I'm Jesus in the flesh right here. But I'm cheating on my wife. I'm running around the bars. I'm doing all this crazy stuff. But I'm his image. That's using the Lord's name in vain. But repentance, saying, God, I'm not good enough. But I know you're good enough. And you're, I'm baptized into your name now. So it's not about me. It's about you. That changes our whole dynamic. That allows us to be bad while we're covered by his grace. And I can continue. But repentance walks hand in hand through our life with baptism. So you can't say, okay, God, I'm bad and, I, and now I'm a sinner. So I'm just going to keep sinning the rest of my life. Because that walks with repentance. I mean, with baptism. So even though, okay, I acknowledge all this, the sin is bad, but I'm called to a new life. I put that under the blood and I move forward in Christ. As Christ brings up things that I need to fix, then I'm going to continue to live a life of repentance. I'm going to continue to dunk stuff under the blood. And I'm going to continue to live in the image of Christ. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We crucify our old self to the cross so that sin loses its power in our life. If we don't die and take on a new life, we're going to have we're going to have wrestles with the same sin. We're going to have to deal with that same sin. Christ had to nail sin to the cross. We have to nail sin to the cross in our life in the same way. We are no longer slaves to sin. Oh, uh, guys, I, I, I just sinned, man. I have to. I have to. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you're not a slave to sin. Now, here's the difference. When you haven't been baptized, you're not part of God. You don't have his authority because God's got power over sin. We don't. Jesus proved that when he walked in and he was like, oh, you know what? Your sins are forgiven. And they were like, who does he think he is? And he was like, what's easier to do? Heal this man's arm or to forgive his sins? He's like, to prove that I got authority over both, stretch out your arm. The guy stretched his arm out and his arm was healed. It's in Matthew. If I, if I had a better memory, I'd give you the exact chapter. <laughs> but it, the stories of Matthew, you can look it up, the, the man with the lame arm. But Christ was doing that to establish his authority. I'm the only one who has power over sin. Nothing else has power over sin. I do. So when we're baptized into Christ's image, we're no longer slaves to sin. So before you're baptized, before you become Christ's ambassador and you're a sinner, you don't have control over sin. Like there's so many people that before I baptize them are like, dude, I, I, I don't know what to do. I can't stop sinning. Like I try and I can't stop sinning. And I'm like, okay, but once you're all baptized, it's a different story. 
you're no longer a slave to sin. You know in your head what you shouldn't be doing, and you know to follow that. And it's going to be different from everybody else. Where we get confused is where we start letting other people tell us what's right and wrong in our life. That's where we get confused. For instance, I've got to stand up here and preach. So there are going to be things in my life that are going to restrict me that I can't do that other people can do. And it's, and it's not that I'm more special than they are. It's not that. It's that God has a specific plan designed for my life, and I'm supposed to be falling in line with that plan. My plan is going to be a little bit different than other people, but if I'm not in my, my, my lane, then I'm not doing what God's called me to do. So it, my sin is going to look different than other people's sin. It's going to. And I'm not going to be the kind of person to tell them that they need to be held accountable for what God's holding me accountable for. I'm held accountable for what I know God's calling me to. So many people don't get that concept. When the veil was ripped, when Christ died... That was because he didn't want to have to talk to someone else to talk to you. He didn't, he didn't want to have to cut. Like even right now, I can speak to you guys from this, from right here. And you guys, you're hearing the word of God come out of me. But he doesn't need me to get your guys' attention. He will touch you right where you are. He is a big God. He doesn't need Daniel's help. He doesn't. Now I'll, I'll, I'll read the word. And, I, and I'll help, and I, I'm going to talk good, but in the end of the day, I'm never going to be able to do what Jesus can do. I'm never going to be able to do it. He's going to talk to you right down to your level. He's inside of you. He knows what's going on with your life to where I'll never understand. He's gone through all things. He's been tempted in all ways. I haven't been tempted in all ways. I've been tempted in a lot. Too many. Wish I'd have been tempted in less. But I haven't been tempted in all ways. There are some things that I... Not tempted to do it all. I don't want to murder a baby. Call me weird. Some people in this world might. I have no, I have, I would get nothing out of it. I would, it would, it would destroy me. Like, I would feel terrible. Like, but there's people who can do that. There are people who can do that. That's not, that's not my issue. I know what God's called me to. I know what's right in my life. And I know what I've got to be able to do. And, and we are all going to, and I, I did not mean that some people can kill babies. <laughs> I was like, some people, some people can do that. I didn't mean you can be a Christian and do that. <laughs> I better clarify that on this recording because it'll come back to haunt me. I'll be like, see, Dan Tackett said you can kill babies and be a Christian. He is one saved, always saved. <laughs> but it, our consciences are going to be a little bit different. Like I said about sugar diabetes, there's some people that God is going to deal with them and say, do not eat that Twinkie. He lets me get away with that all the time. <laughs> but I don't have sugar diabetes and it ain't killing me right now. And I do believe that God is so in control that if it was going to bother me, he would say something. And he said something when I've gone too far. He's been like, Dan, you're going to eat that whole cheesecake? All right, God, I'll put it away. <laughs> He's a personal God. He wants a personal relationship with us. And since we were set free from the power of sin, and since we died with Christ, we know we also will live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives to the glory of God. And that's the same way we should be doing it. 
Man, that's so powerful. That's not saying that we're never going to die on this earth. That's not, he's talking about our lives in sin. He's saying we shouldn't have to keep dying over and over to the same sin. We don't have to. We're raised alive. We can die once for all to it and never have to fall to it again. We don't have to keep stumbling over the same sins because it's dead. We're done to that. When someone says, hey, Dan, you want to go for a drink? I can't. That side of me is dead. I don't feel it. It's not, it's not about... It's not about, well, you know, I can do it. No, because if I'm doing it, it's still alive in my life. It's got to be dead. It's got to be dead to me. And again, I'm not saying drinking's a sin. There's several places in the Bible where it says drinking. It says drink for your stomach's sake. There's a level, and God knows where that level is. Now, there are some people, drinking is a very big sin. Like, I, I don't mean to, I won't say it. But I know people who, they're bad alcoholics. They're a little bit different. They should probably stay away from it a little bit different. I know other people, that's not their that's not their, their temptation. So they can sit back and drink a wine at, at dinner and they're like, what the heck do you mean you got a problem with this? It's different for different people. And we have to we have to acknowledge that in our own lives. Not only do we have to acknowledge that for the fact of getting sin out of our life, but we have to acknowledge that to live in the freedom that Christ has given us. Yeah. Right. Mm. Yeah, good one, good one. That's why we also need help from other people around us. There are some things in our life that, that have to be broken through prayer and fasting. There are some things that's not a sin in our life, it's a bound. And uh, you know, it, as much as it's crazy, a lot of times it's sin, a lot of times it's sickness. The woman touched the, the, end, the, friend, uh, the end of Jesus' robe. She was bound in a spirit of infirmity. That wasn't just her. It wasn't like she made a choice. It wasn't that she was just sitting on her own. We got to be careful of that because you will see people who are living a life of repentance, baptized in sin, but they're bound in something. And it's not, it's not that they're making a choice because they're battling it every day. They're praying and they're, God, you got to break this fruit. But those only come through prayer and fasting. That doesn't mean God's grace isn't sufficient. God's grace is more than sufficient. But when we find ourselves in situations where we're bound with something, that's not, you're, you're, that's not gonna be an easy one you just put under the blood. It's not. That's one that you're gonna pray and you're gonna fast over. And that's where walking in repentance comes into play. Because walking in repentance is acknowledging that's sin. That how many people are bound by things and then because they don't want to they don't want to pray and fast to get that off of them they'll just accept it and say that it's not sin no more now you can just live as a homosexual it's fine god made you that way yes fasting is going without food denying yourself food it's food and i know people say a lot of other things people be like you can fast media you can do all this you can do those things. You can sacrifice those things in your life. That's not fasting. Fasting is specifically going without food. It is denying your body substance while you focus on the spiritual. Now, if you're fasting and you're not praying and you're not, you're not focusing on the spiritual, then you're just dieting. It's a big difference. But there's a difference where you're going without food because I'm seeking something spiritual. That's it. And your time, now we fast when we're at work. That doesn't mean that if I'm going to fast for three days, I got to go lock myself in the room and I can't do anything sitting there and cry all for three days. That's not what it means. 
But in my mind, I know this is what I need and this is where I'm going. I fast a lot. I've been getting into it a lot this year and it's powerful. It's not to be taken lightly. It's powerful. Every person that fasted for 40 days in the Bible, Satan showed up. You fast long enough, Satan shows up. It's a serious thing. It is spiritual warfare. But it breaks the strongholds over our life. It casts out dark spirits that are ruling in high places through fasting and praying. So fasting, you're, you're going to deny yourself food while you're staying in a prayerful mind state, seeking after the things of God. And as you do that, as you go without food, your body slips into the spiritual realm. You have your physical or your spiritual realm. When people die and their bodies die, they go into the spiritual realm. When people dream, they go into a spiritual realm. It's going into the spiritual. When you're denying your body food, you're literally getting closer to death. So your body, your spirit starts to come more alive inside you. You'll hear God closer than you've ever heard God before. You'll feel his presence closer. You'll have his anointing on you better. And you will break strongholds easier. You're going to have to pray. Like if I'm praying over something and, and, and it's most of the time prayer works. Fasting is for big things. Most of the time, just praying works. Having a relationship with God and calling on your father, he comes down and works things out. But when it gets to a point where it's not breaking it, praying's not breaking it. And it can be financial. It can be sickness. It can be spiritual. These are all things that bind us. There are people who are bound in financial devastation. They're bound in. You'll see it happen in their life. They'll get a raise and their car will break down. They'll get this, something else will go wrong. And you're like, that's a spirit. They're bound by that. That can be broken through prayer and fasting. There, 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 are, there are mental issues that you can't get over that can be broken through prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting moves things. We, we see people who are heroin addicts. We want to tell them, hey, stop doing heroin. Don't you know you're making a bad decision? Don't you know you're a sinner? Like that's going to fix their problem. They're bound. And that's why we have each other. Because, and, and more Christians that understand this, the easier life would be. But if I have the power to break those chains, you have, not just me, because it was, that wasn't meaning me, I'm special. You have the power to break those chains. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're walking in the authority of Jesus Christ. This is why baptism is so important, because if I'm in his image, it's not me saying that's got to go. It's Christ through me, because I'm in his image now. I'm in his image. I can lay hands on the sick. They can recover. I can cast out evil spirits. I can break things off of people. And that's what we need. We come to each other with our problems. Like if, if I'm struggling with something, I can't get it out of my life and it's going to destroy me. I got two options. I can either keep praying about it and I can let it destroy my life and then try to pick up the pieces later. Or I can go to my brother, which takes a little bit of humility and it takes some, it takes some, but it's what we're called to do. And I can say, hey, Brandon, guess what, bro? I'm having trouble, man. I'm trying to start this church and I can't quit drinking. I need help. Brandon can be like, okay, Jesus name, let's pray over it. He has the power in him to loose me. Right. When you're struggling, sometimes you need somebody else. Yeah. It doesn't have that like quicksand. <laughs> Yep. They'll give you their strength. That's good. It's like quicksand. Right. 
Now we, we, I can help you out of the quicksand, but I can end up in the quicksand. You can help me out just the same. It's not that anyone has the power. It's just that it requires a helping hand. It requires someone being outside because we are always going to need Jesus. So he set up people in his image on this earth that we can go to them as a representative of Jesus. And we've got to understand that. If I were to go to Brandon and be like, Brandon, dude, I'm, try I'm, I'm struggling with this. I need you to pray over me. I'm not asking Brandon. I'm asking his image. I'm asking who he's in an image of. I'm asking him to be a representative of God and lay hands on me and let God's power flow through him and change my life. And we've got to understand that because you can't build idols in your life either. It's not the person who's special. It's not. It's the spirit that's moving through them. And it's who they're standing in, in, in as a representative of. If I'm in his name, I'm representing him. That's why I don't take it lightly. Wow. That's why Christians shouldn't take it lightly. When God says, go up there and lay your hands on that person and pray for him. Oh God, I'm not good enough. Are you saying my image ain't good enough? My image is all that matters. And you're in my image. So go lay hands on him. Go lay hands on me. It ain't about you. But you understand that you're in my, you're a representative of me. Don't take that lightly. It's like an American representative when we go over to another country. How, how silly would we be if, we're, well, you know, America's not all that great, you know. No, I'm representing America. I'm over here to tell you guys, hey, guess what? We're the land of the free and the home of the brave over here. If you mess with us, we're going to mess with you. Like, that's the, the, I'm a representative. I've got to represent it properly. Otherwise, I'm losing the whole image anyways. And your power goes out the window with it. Death has, death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. So do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. That's important too. Because we're in God's image. But we're like Christ. We're part man, part spirit. We've got God's spirit inside of us, but we're still living in the flesh. So, <coughs> sin is going to keep popping up. It's going to continue to. You're going to see stuff that you're like, where did that come from, God? All right, repent, baptize, let, let's get going here. But it's going to keep coming up. But that's why he puts it here. Do not let sin control your life and give in to your sinful desires. There's a difference between sin popping up and me repenting and living a life of repentance, living a life of baptism, getting those things back out of my life, than just letting it control my life. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah, what's up? Yeah, it's having willpower, but it's also acknowledging. And that's why baptism repentance have to continue through your life. They can't just stop one time. You can't just repent one time and now you're done. Because other things are going to pop up that you're going to have to keep acknowledging. Oh, that, that's sin too, God. Oh, that, oh, wow, this is, this is dirty too. This is dirty too. And it's the same thing with repentance. Repentance can't be a one-time thing where you get baptized and now you come up and you're done. Because there's going to be things that have to keep getting dunked back under the blood. Like, I'm going to find things. Oh, what is this? Oh, 
dip that under the blood. I'm done with that. Baptism's an ongoing process of our life of continually dying to sin every day and living for Christ. It's a continual process. If you say, okay, well, now I'm baptized. So now I don't have to be dead to sin. I can go out and live in sin. I can do as much sin as I want to do. Now you're living in that sin. You're not dead. You're not dead to it. You're actually alive in it. But you have to be dead to it. So it's going to pop up. It's going to pop up. And that's the difference. I'm not living in it. When it pops up, I go, ooh, that's bad. Jesus, forgive that. And I move on. If I, It's different for when it pops up and I go, there, there goes my repentance. There goes my repentance. My repentance is no longer walking. And I'm no longer in that situation of salvation because I let my repentance go. But we got to keep that repentance. We got to keep that repentance. Keep moving strong. When things pop up, yeah, we're going to keep dunking it under the blood. I'm not even going to. Oh. And we don't live in it. Mm, that's powerful. I can sin one time. And then I can live in that moment for the next three years. Man, God, do you remember when I did that, though? Oh, God. You remember when I did that, though, God? And he's up there going, yeah, I remember. Because you're living in it. Die to it. Bury it. Put it away. And move on. Just as important, just as important that we have baptism going, an ongoing thing through our life as it is a repentance. If we walk through life and all we do is repentance, it brings condemnation. <laughs> he wants to be on the recording too. <laughs> but that's it's the ongoing thing. If all we do is repent and we're not, we're not dunking things under the blood in our life, we're going to live in condemnation. What's up? No. He doesn't. He doesn't. The Bible says that he cast our sin as far as the east is from the west. He throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. And he forgets. We, yeah, man, that's a good question. And it's a powerful one. But you're not going to be dead to it if you remember. You're living in it now. You're staying in it. Be dead to it. Bury it. Bury that down and move on. Move on. Because the devil wants nothing. The devil will make you sin one time a day, and then he'll make you think about that the rest of the day. And it's like, why not sin one time a day? Bury it and move on. Live in the life. Let the, let the, let the sin be buried. And that's exactly what this is all about. That's what it's all about is getting that concept down where I'm not going to walk in sin. I'm not going to live in sin. I might sin every single day, but I'm going to repent every day. I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to baptize that sin every day, and I'm going to continue in the image of God every single day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You get better and better and better at it. The easier it gets. Yeah. At first, it looks like such a big weight. Because. Oh. Because. Because his name, his name has a promise attached. So the more you're in his name, the more that promise keeps coming true. That promise keeps coming true in your life. Keeps washing you new, making you fresh every single day because the promise is there. But if you're not in his name, then the promise is there. That's not me. I've got to put myself in that continual mode. And we're not going to, that's why there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation because it's dead. I sinned. God, that was a sin. It's under your blood. 
no power. Now I move forward. Now, if I sin again, there's going to come conviction. And I'm going to dunk it back under the blood, and there's no condemnation. The condemnation stays when I don't dip it under the blood. It comes, I see it. Okay, this is sin. No, I'm just going to look at it. Now there's condemnation attached to that. That's attached to me, and it's going to stay with me. But the minute I go, no, God, this is sinful. Jesus' name. It's washed in blood. It's off my back, and I'm, I'm continuing the life of Yeah, yeah. And it can, you know, there are things that are going to bind to you. Now, Romans 7 really gets into that. And I doubt we'll have time to get into that today. So that's something for you guys. No, no, you're, don't be sorry. For real, I need this. Guys, this is what I love. This is the difference between my podcast. I'm glad that I'm recording this here because if I was doing the podcast at home by myself, I would just be going on these points and I would lose the things that people need to hear. So by you saying, hey, Dan, what about this? Somebody else listening to this podcast is having that same question in their head right now. Now they're getting the answer that they need because we're open. But what I'm, but this week, do this for yourselves. Go home and read Romans 7. Read about Romans 7 because Romans 7 shows you somebody who's, trying, who's struggling in this situation. Or they're like, but God, I keep seeing myself do this bad and, and I can't get this out of me. And the more I want to do bad, the more. That, and then he says, and he says a very specific or powerful scripture in that where he says, but if I don't want to do wrong, is it really me that's doing it? He says, it's not. It's my sinful nature. It's not in my heart. It's my sinful nature that's doing it. And your sinful nature will never be saved. Your flesh isn't going to make it to heaven. Your flesh is going to die. Your soul's going to make it to heaven. So your soul recognizes your sinful nature and all, the, all of its attributes of what it does while it's continuing to be preserved by Christ. Circumcision. Huh? Yeah. It's powerful when, when the word starts to come to life because it, God's yoke is easy. His burden is light. That's what he said. Jesus said, come unto me all you who are heavy burdened because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But we, if we don't have understanding the devil will make it look so much harder than it is to keep us from, from achieving that. You know, Christians who don't win souls, Christians don't understand. If every Christian understand, we'd all be winning souls. We're all going to be sinful. The, the, Billy Graham sinned. We all had problems. But Billy Graham got it. Billy Graham got it. I'm walking. I'm walking in his image now. It's no longer about my life. My sin, my sinful flesh is going to die. He's going to make me a new body. He's going to create us a new body that doesn't sin. He's going to create us new bodies that doesn't, that don't feel compelled to drink, that don't feel compelled to, to sexual immorality. We're going to have bodies that aren't whole in that sinful way. And God understands that. The reason Christ wrapped himself in flesh and came to earth was so he could understand the sinful pull of our flesh. He was able to withstand it. We're not. Or not. He was a spirit before he was in the body. So he understands what not feeling attached to that feels like. We don't. We don't have any memory other than being in this body and feeling these attachments. Now, we had uh, we had the COVID crap. When, 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 I got, when I got COVID, I lost my sense of taste and smell. I no longer had taste and smell. But I would find myself craving sugar. 
I was like, man, I gotta have a candy bar. I gotta have a candy bar. I still have that craving. But, but I, got, I got a candy bar and I would eat it and I would instantly feel like my body got what it needed. Now, I didn't taste it, so I didn't enjoy it. I wasn't able to enjoy that at all, but my body needed it. And even though I wasn't able to taste it and enjoy all that, I felt better. Like the endorphins in my body was like, you got what you needed. And it was really, that was one of those situations where it really showed me like how much your body needs things. You know, we don't understand that, but when we, because we live, we're so comfortable with feeding it all the time that we don't, we don't take into consideration. But when you're craving sugar, it's not that they, you just, you're fat and you want sugar. It's not that always. Your body literally knows it needs sugar. It might not need the amount you're about to pour on it, but it needs some of it. You know, and that, that, when our body craves certain things, it shows how we're in this, this flesh. It controls us. Christ was outside of that. When before he ever started in the beginning he was with god he knew how it felt to be free from those attachments then he put himself in it and felt what it was like to be pulled in that direction he never sinned but he understands why we sin he understands death no longer has any power over him for he died and he died once to break the powers i already read that where am i at do not let sin control your lives. Do not live for your sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, so here he goes. He goes, now, this is going to be hard. So here's what we do instead. We focus on this part. Give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have a new life. If you don't activate your new life, you're going to resort to your old life. You're going to be alive, so you can either live for God or you're going to continue to live for what you were living for because you have no other options. He's saying it's not only about being dead to sin, it's also about being alive to Christ. If all Christ did was die, it wouldn't have helped us. If all Christ did was die and go to hell and get the keys but never came back to life, it would have done us no good. And in our lives, it's the same way. If we're dead to sin, but we're not alive to Christ, well, that's only half the battle. That's only half the battle. Half the battle is dying to sin, but the most glorious part of it is being able to live for God. That's the best part. Being able to reach the lost, being able to preach his word, being able to heal the sick, being able to break strongholds, being able to set people free. That's the good side of giving up the life of sin. So you, so you were dead, but now you have a new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right to, glory, to the glory of God. Man, use your whole body as you used to. Use your whole body as an instrument of sin. Use it instead to be something for God. Whatever you can do. You can record music, record music for God. If you can, if you can build a house, build a house for God. I know a guy at work that was like, dude, I don't know why, but every time I work out, man, I really feel close to God and I spend time with God. And I said, yeah, because you're worshiping him. And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, God gave you strength. You're using your strength in your body and honoring him. Don't think what you're working out is not a worship. If you make it a worship, it's worship. Everything we do should be to the glory of God. If I get up in the morning, thank God he gave me the strength. If I go to, if I, if I go to the store and buy a candy bar, guess what? I'm doing that for God because I'm blessing that store. And I believe that you're going you're gonna to bless that person. Everything we do should be a form of worship to God. 
Sin no longer is your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Wow, is that statement big there, guys. Sin is no longer our master because we're not under the law. Why is that? Oh, this is powerful, guy. Was Jesus held under the law when he was alive? The Jewish law? He was a Jew, right? Well, technically, he was under the law, right? When did he stop being under the law? When he died. So when do we stop being under the law? When we die with him. When we're baptized with Christ, we're no longer under the law. So I'm not a slave for sin. Sin can't affect me anymore because I'm dead to it. So when the Old Testament has all those rules that you're not allowed to do, I don't have to worry about that no more. I died with Christ. I died with Christ. Jews were, were had to hold those their entire lives. They were under the law until they died. But when we're baptized with Christ, we're not under that law no more. I don't have to follow those customs no more. Now I'm under Christ. I'm dead to all that. I'm dead to all that. I can just live in the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. So when the Spirit says, hey, you're doing this, don't do that no more. Oh, okay. Oh, what about all those rules in the Bible? I don't have to worry about those. I'm dead to those. I'm good to all those. I don't care about what, I don't care about the rules in the book no more. I'm dead to the bulls. I'm dead to these rules. Now I'm alive in Christ. I walk in His ways. He's taking care of it all. It's under the blood. He paid it. So I don't even have to die. I can just live for Him forever. The only way he's going to call me home is if he's got some important business up there for me to do. That's it. Other than that, I'm doing his work right here. And I'm not going to be held to the curse of dying in sin. I don't have to. That's powerful, man. Okay, where did I leave off again? All right. Because of your weakness, of your humful nature, I'm... Wait, no, no, no. I'm going to back up a little bit. I was not there. Well then, since God's grace has set you free from the law, does that mean you can go on sinning? So here, he, he emphasizes this. Because once you realize that, he's like, okay, you guys aren't, aren't, you're not under the law no more. You don't have to worry about the Ten Commandments and keeping all these. He goes, well, since I'm not under that, does that mean I can go on sinning? And he says here again, of course not. Do you realize that you became a slave to whatever you chose to obey? He changes it now. Think about it. Just a couple of scriptures. He was like, oh yeah, sin was your master. Sin controlled you. Sin had rule over you. But you're dead to sin. You're dying. You've been baptized. So it no longer has control over you. Now... You are no master. You choose who you want to obey. Mm. It's a little bit more powerful now, though. It's almost scarier now. Because before you could say, well, I didn't have a choice, God. Now you're living in the light. You have a choice. This is all Romans 6. 6.15 is what I'm reading right now. But now you realize you become a slave to what you choose to obey. So if I choose to live in sin and obey sin, I become a slave to it. Now, if sin pops up in my life, I can choose not to obey it. I can choose to go, 
Oh, that's it. Under the blood, you're out. Not doing that no more. I'm gonna work on that. Matter of fact, like this past week, here's a good example of this, guys. Just this past week, uh, God hit me hard. Little silly things in my life, but I was doing stuff, and with being in ministry now, and like I'm dealing with people, and there was a couple different instances where people spoke to me, and I was like, very like, oh no, 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 I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And then I talked to the pastor. And I did something, actually, I'll tell you. Travis Williams came, he came over to my house. He said, Dan, I'm going to pray for you. God told me to come over and pray for you and my wife. Because my wife had, was having, at the time, we were, we were, we, she was going to get x-rays because she was having some back issues. Come to find out, God's great. It was only a little thing. She's going to heal. She's going to be fine. But at the time, they were like talking like it could have been scoliosis. It could have been bad. So we were worried. So Travis like, I'm going to come over and pray for you, man. God told me to come over and pray for you. I said, good, man. Come over and pray for us. So he comes over and he gets his oil and he anoints my head and he goes to pray for me. I, I feel ashamed saying it. I literally reached up and took his hand off of my head and put it on my wife to pray for her first. Now, Trav didn't care. Trav was like, whatever, I'll pray for her and I'll pray for you, whatever. I'll pray for both of you. He didn't care. But to me, it hit me and God was like, why did you do that? And I went to, I went to work and all night I just wrestled with it. Like, why did I do that? Like, it was just, it felt wrong to me. And I didn't know why it felt wrong, but it was wrong. So I went out with the pastor the next day, and I was talking to him, and, I, and it was still bugging me. So I brought it up to him, and I'm like, man, I don't know why I did that. But it bugged me. And he goes, you know why you did that. He said, one word. And I sat there for a, a few, like, to the point of embarrassment, where I'm like, what is he talking about? He's like, it's one word, Dan. What is it? Finally, I, I gave up. I'm like, man, maybe I'm retarded. I don't know. What, what, what did I do? What was, the, what was the word? And he was like, pride. And I went. And I left and it started hitting me. And then God was like, he was showing me that I have taken pride and I've camouflaged it in my life. And I've pretended that it was humility. Oh, I'm being humble. Pray for my wife first. I'm just being humble. That's not what it is. It was pride. It was pride. I, who am I to tell him who to pray for who? He can pray for anybody he wants first. It was pride. And it, and, and it dawned on me, and, and I went, and then it, it happened a couple more times. Then, my, then my, my boss, I told you guys earlier, my boss came to me and was like, I thought I told you to come talk to me about a raise. What happened there? And again, I walked away going, man, this pride, Dan, where did this come from? And I went to the pastor, and I said, man, I, 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 it devastated me to see that in me. I didn't want to see that in me. But I had to see it because I got to get it out. I got to get it out. If I wouldn't have realized it, I'd never got it out. But I had to see it in order to realize what it was. Now, I could have let that become my, I could have been a slave to it. I could have just let myself continue in it and been like, well, this is just who I am and that's the way I am. But when God shows us something, that's when we start invoking repentance, baptism, Holy Ghost. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to acknowledge that it's wrong. I'm going to acknowledge that it came from my flesh, that I can't control it. I'm going to turn to God, and that's repentance, turning to God. God, I need your help with this issue. And then I'm going to dunk it under the blood. I'm going to accept what he did at the cross. I'm going to be baptized in it, and I'm going to move forward in a new life. In every area of our life, no matter what we're going through, I'm going to continue to do that. Because now I'm no longer a slave to that sin. Before, I wouldn't have noticed what was going on. I was a slave to it. I didn't even realize what it was. But now, God shows you. Here you go, Dan. 
That's what, that's what the Old Testament did. He said, I, didn't, I would have known what lust was if the, if, the, if the law would have told me what it was. But once I realized what it was, it became more and more abundant in my life. God's grace had to become more and more abundant. But once Christ died, he took the power and he gave us the power over that. I'm no longer subject to that. I no longer have to just stand here and watch it keep going on in my life and there's nothing I can do about it. I can invoke the presence of God and the power and the authority that he's put over my life. And I can say that's baptized. I'm walking in repentance and baptism from now on. It's not going to have power over me. I have power over it because I'm baptized in the name. So you can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey the teachings that I've been giving you. Now you are free from your, sla your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living instead. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm telling you this illustration in slavery to help you understand all of this. Previously, you let yourselves become slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which leads deeper into sin, but now... You must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. It's not something that happens instantly. It's not, we don't become holy like mom said. Mom said a minute ago, it's something the more you do, the better you get at it. So it's something that we continue practicing. That's what he's talking about here. The more you, the more you live, the more you become slaves to righteous living, you will become holy. The more you continue to walk in that process, the more you are made holy. Holy is righteousness, to be sin-free, to be like God, sin-free. That's the whole process of him creating us new bodies, making us new beings, so that we can be like Christ. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation. Here, listen to this now. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. That's powerful. Before you were saved, before you decided to believe in Jesus, you weren't obligated to do what was right. You didn't even, like, whatever, you just did whatever your body wanted you to do. It's a difference. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, the things that end in eternal doom. But now... You are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do these things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And the wages of sin have to be paid through repentance. I mean through baptism. Because baptism is dying and being raised to a new life. It's not something we do once in our life. It's something we do all the time. Just like repentance. Oh, man. Because the two have to go together. They have to work hand in hand. You repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Look in your Bible how many times those, those are together. They're the Siamese twins of the Bible. You repent and you be baptized. And it's a daily process. It's a daily process. When you walk out of here, you guys, you guys are good, right? Look, right now, we've all repented. We've all been baptized. We're all saved right now. We're in the situation of salvation right now. We're living in that. Now, as I move forward from here, I'm going to leave here. I'm going to go home. 
Now, let's say in four hours, something pops up and I sin. It, if I didn't understand this concept of continuing in it, I would be stuck as a slave to that sin. Now I have to not, well, now, now, I'm a, now I'm a fornicator. That's the way it goes. I'm stuck in that sin because I'm a slave to it. But because I understand repentance and baptism, and it's not just a one-time thing, it's an ongoing thing. In three hours when it happens, and God pricks my heart and goes, Dan, was that really right? I instantly go, you're right, God. That was sin. There's my repentance. I need you. There's my repentance. Now, I'm sorry. I'm pleading your blood over that. It's been baptized, and now I'm on to it. Now I'm walking. I'm walking in forgiveness again. If I do it again, I do it again. If I do it again, I do it again. It's not a one-time process. It's a daily process. And I'm not a slave to sin no more because every time it gets this little hook in me, I chop it off and I move on. It doesn't rule over me. It doesn't continue my life. And you'll notice as you continue this process, you will become more holy. It will happen less and less and less and less as it goes. It's not like, okay, I repent, be baptized. Boom, now I'm never going to sin again. Boom, that was easy. Now I now just might as well go to heaven now, God. I'm all good. It's not how it works. What he wants is that continual process. He wants, God wants you to repent and be baptized every day. Every day. Every day he wants you in his will constantly. That's the only thing the devil can take from you. That's all he's got to do is take that from you. If he can get you to go one day without getting baptized, then, then he can, he's got you. If he can get you to go one day without repenting, he's got you. Hopefully, the world will end on that one day. You'll come live with me in hell. But we've read the end of the book. He's a loser. He's going to lose. Our God's a winner. And he made it very easy. Me and the pastor talked about it. I said, man, I said, I'm afraid, pastor. The more I read this Bible, the more I understand, the more I'm afraid that you're going to think I'm once saved, always saved. By the end of our conversation, I was like, pastor, maybe you're once saved, always saved. <laughs> he said, Daniel, you know what it is? It's hard to be lost. God did an amazing job at making a beautiful plan that's easy to get to heaven. He didn't want it to be hard. What did they say? Oh, rich man, it, you know, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle with a rich man. What did Jesus follow it up with? He's like, yeah, yeah, that, it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven. And they go, but God, then who can possibly be saved? And Jesus goes, well, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, it's all possible. But with God, all of it becomes possible. So yeah, it's impossible. But I'm about to die on that cross. I'm about to teach you repentance. I'm about to teach you baptism. I'm about to teach you walking in the spirit. Just wait till, wait till the day of Pentecost. Wait till you guys get up in that upper room. And then I actually dump my spirit inside you and you go forth as my image. You're going to see how easy it gets. It gets easy because of God. He's the one who makes it easy. All we got to do, oh, all we got to do is remember these three steps. Repent, be baptized, be filled with the Holy Ghost. Not once, every day. Every day going forward. It's not a one-time deal. It's an ongoing deal that we're going to continue to walk in every day of our life. And in that, I find myself 
in the situation of salvation. It's not my destination, but it's my situation. I'm saved by grace, and there's nothing anybody can do about it. But I do have to put myself in that situation, because God already created it, and he created it so easy and amazing and awesome that he was like, anybody can be saved, and I want, a whole, I want the whole world to be saved. But there's your situation. You just got to put yourself in it. Get your mindset correct. Repent. Be baptized. Be filled with the Spirit. We're going to get into filled with the Spirit next time because we're going to get into continually walking in the Spirit. It's an ongoing thing. It's not a one-time thing either. People are like, man, I want to speak in tongues. I want to speak in tongues. I want to speak in tongues. Well, speak it. You've spoken. And then they speak in tongues. They're like, all right, I got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> well, what are you going to do with it? And, and, it, and is that all you wanted? Because it's not enough. We should be continually being filled with the Spirit daily. I should be so full of the Spirit that we're like Paul. When we walk by people, our shadow goes across on their heel. Paul didn't just, Paul was a human being too. He wasn't more special than us. The only difference was he got full of the Holy Spirit and he never stopped. He continued to walk in that Spirit, be dumped full of the Spirit constantly. I don't, I don't care who you are. You speak in tongues as much as you can, you won't have problems. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Start, start a mission. I'm going to speak in tongues as much as I can. Tell me how much you sin. We'll talk about it in three weeks. You'll be like, something's different, Dan. Because you can't put God in and the devil stick around. It doesn't happen that way. When God shows up, he runs. He takes off running. The more of him you dump inside yourself, the more the devil can't hang around. It's the same thing we're doing with our church right now. The, th the thing we're doing with our church, we're getting love in that building. You know why? Because the, 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 the lukewarm ain't going to stick around. It's not going to hang out. It's like building a fire in the middle of the church and expecting the walls to stay cold. It ain't going to happen. The bigger this flame gets, everything in this building is going to warm up. Everything around here is going to get hot because the fire is warm. And it's the same thing with God. You flip on a light, the darkness flees. It doesn't, it doesn't hang around. It can't. And it's the same thing in our lives. Where we draw our line is how much light we allow in our life. I'll allow a little bit, but I don't want to go crazy now, God. No, go crazy. Go crazy. Get as much of that in you as you can. Because all it's going to do is benefit you and everybody around you. Everybody you come in contact with will benefit from you getting closer to God. So, let's stop there. Once again, thinking nowhere near as far as I wanted to. But that just means i got less to plan for next Bible study. <laughs> I already know what I'm going to do. I'm going to finish this one. <laughs> so, let's end in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today, God. Allow your word to be planted inside of us, God. That it will grow strong like a garden in our life, God. That we can go to and pluck the fruit that we need, Lord, to be fully in your service, Lord. Let us continue, God, to be ambassadors of your word, God. And allow this world to see an example of you in us. That we will be your image bearers on earth. We worship you, God. We love you so much, God. We love spending time with you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.